Welcome back to Faith FM. Thank you, Tracy Weir, for the news. We are back with our Bible study, our encounter with God. And no, we do not have any more Bible quizzes for you today because it's been snapped up. Matthew from Enfield just killing it with the correct mm-hmm. answer of Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you want to test yourself, you can jump on our social media right now. Um, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, and I've put up uh, the quiz cards. You can go on there and read through all the quizzes, uh, quiz clues and test yourself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, for now, we are going to be joining in a 20 million movement. Yeah, 20 million other believers around the world who are currently studying the same study guide that we are studying on air with you every morning. Uh, the topic, of course, you know this, is about unity in Christ, oneness in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, Lawson, where are we up to with this? Okay, so today's lesson, something we're going to be looking at today is the topic of unity amid diversity, mm. which is something that obviously, like, when when it gets right, it's a good thing. When a bunch of diverse people are unified, yes. you can achieve so much more because of yep. all the different skills and talents that people have. But... I feel like it's hard to get to that point because when, when, when you've got a bunch of people together who are all, all different, different mm-hmm. you know, to get them It's like we find unified, reasons to yeah. hate based on the diversity. <laughs> and, and I think this is a very valid study for our time at the moment because, you know, with globalism, mm-hmm. people have been moved all, where, all around the world, shifted all around the world. And so we have, you know, people living next to each other from like opposite corners of the planet where before, you know, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And now we have, you know, a whole street where everyone might be from a different different country yeah yeah 100 percent. well i know this you know in where i work i work for a church raymond terrace mission shout out those guys you should you should come on saturday to church shameless plug from lawson walters but anyway <laughs> moving on um in my church you know our sort of uh ministry bible worker team is like the pastor's from america mm-hmm. his wife is african his son is african who's a bible worker with us and then we've got um me, like I'm from, I'm from Newcastle, so it's all good. And uh, and Tom, he's from, he's from Toowoomba. And then Tom, Tom Evans. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, well, Tom Evans is a part of our leadership team. But he's he's, not, he's he, from America as well. Yeah, yeah, he's from the states as well. Mm. But then we've got Tom from Toowoomba. We've got Ellie. She's from Kingscliff up north. So they're they're the the northy guys. But then then we have Nyla. She's from. She's like a an islander from the states mm-hmm. and then rochelle she's from australia but she's like lived over in the states the last couple of years so we've got a very and we've all got different talents and skills and it's a very diverse team yeah but it, it works together so well absolutely because we all have those different skills but i think that it didn't didn't you know we're in this place where we're pretty harmonious at the moment but it didn't come without its challenges mm. i think there were times where there was you know clashing of heads yeah. and whatnot but Man, once you get past that, like, you know, you've got someone to, you know, when we run our youth events, we've got Ellie in the kitchen cooking because she's amazing. And, mm-hmm. you know, Nyla will be on icebreakers because <coughs> she's really sociable and friendly. And I'll be running the worship and someone will be preaching like Tom or so you're not like, just, di- just You're not just diverse in, in culture where you're from. You're also diverse, diverse in talents. Diverse in talents yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, so, um, I mean, Lyle and I used to be involved with um, Marrickville Church, which is like right in the heart of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And Sydney, of course, being I, arguably the most melting pot of cultures in Australia like just this city of such diversity and we had you know just we have about 20 different spoken languages in our church we had that many different cultures going on but the thing that brought us together because we were like a family Mm -hmm. like a family of misfits so to speak (laughs) and but the thing that always brought us together and we always used to marvel at this was the one thing that we had in common the lowest common denominator between all of us was Jesus 
100%. Yeah. And that's what makes diversity and unity work mm. when you all have a um, connection to Christ. Well, it makes it possible. Yeah, 100%. that's right. It makes it possible. You know, when when everybody has a common interest. And um, without you have wars and rumors of wars. 100%. Yeah. And that's the thing that, that's so, I find anyway, that, that working in a, you know, a ministry workplace, even though it's so diverse, we work with such coer- like cohesion and mm-hmm. um, it's amazing. And it's because like our... The thing that unites us is Jesus. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. The example of Jesus is one of such love and kindness and patience. and Yeah, gentleness. And, and what was it? Um, a, winsomeness. Oh, a winsomeness of character, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, when you have that example and that's the one thing bringing you all together. Um, man, a ministry team on fire for Jesus and working harmoniously can Dude, can change the world. Absolutely, and we've we've seen you know many Christian movements through the through the ages where it's just been a bunch of people, a bunch of young people have banded together and and have, have just absolutely changed the world. And this is actually one of the reasons why I believe that we don't often hear about the um, speaking in tongues gift anymore. Like you know how mm-hmm. uh, in, in the New Testament when the um, when the uh, when the apostles and disciples came together and they were praying and they uh, had the yeah. Holy Spirit come upon Acts them, two. yeah, yeah, and then they were given the gift of tongues, which was the ability to speak in many different languages. Um, and we don't really see that much happening anymore. And I think it's because like globalization and diversity has become such a norm mm. that there's always someone who speaks the other languages. Yeah. Like we're just like I'm multilingual, like. It, there's so many <laughs> I try to be <laughs> you try to be <laughs> but there's there's almost no need for it because we've come such a diverse mm. world and we're all connected um, you know in little bits and pieces and we can all communicate 100% well you see in that situation in Acts chapter 2 when they start speaking in everyone's tongues that everyone's just shocked yeah they're like are these men not Galileans yeah but how can I hear them in my own language are they drunk and, you know there's well we know that there was you know there would be people from Africa there. There would be people from the, you know, the far corners of, of Europe and other nations in the Middle East. And it's like, they're all speaking in their languages, mm. man. That would be so mind blown. Like <laughs> I, I've actually, I, I know some people who have been blessed with the gift of tongues oh, at, wow. at times. Mm-hmm. And I know specifically in one situation that a guy was in the Philippines preaching and he was blessed with the gift of tongues because his his translator got sick. This is a wild story. Wow. His translator got sick. And so he was like, oh, I have to preach this meeting, but these people only speak Tengali. But he's like, look, like the there's like 20 young people in the crowd and they all speak English. So I'll just preach to them and everyone else can just sort of watch. Mm-hmm. And he starts preaching um, and then he makes the appeal at the end, which is a baptism appeal. And he's just expecting the young people to come up. And then, you know, hundreds of people are coming up and he's like, whoa, he's like, whoa, what's going on? And someone comes up to him and says, you just preach the whole sermon in Tengali. Wow. And he's just like, like mind (laughs) mind blown. blown. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we are, you know, that's a very rare circumstance, but we are so unified today and culturally Mm -hmm. diverse, but let's, let's jump into the word. Yeah, let's do it. We're we're actually going to be looking at some situations today where people weren't unified Uh and some advice that the Bible gives towards that. Let's turn to, we're going to start in Romans chapter 14. We're going to slightly just, brush over this and then it had some other places but do you want to read for me romans chapter 14 verses 1 to 6 
Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with God's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. Mm. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Man, awesome. Thanks. So you you read through this, and basically what's happening here in this situation is there's, you know, Paul is talking into some kind of circumstance in which someone is doing something and another person feels uncomfortable about that, and, um, you know, they might have the urge to go and tell that person off. Um, and it's like what Paul is saying here is for the, for the sake of, of unity and diversity, um, don't do that. But I want to especially highlight here, because it's like what, you know, if we see someone then living in, you know, very open sin, are we not to talk to that person and try mm. and get them on the right track? Whereas we look here in, in verse one, it gives us the answer. And in my Bible here, it says, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. So it's talking here, not about things that are black and white, clear sin. You know, we have our Ten Commandments, like, you know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, remember the Sabbath, like all of these things, they're, they're like the legit things, you know. Yes. Like yep. there, there's no dispute over, you know, whether to do those or not. But when it comes to other doubtful things, it's like, hey, try and settle your differences. Try and um, work it out and become cohesive because it's important. Um, but, yeah, we're going to continue talking about this topic. And I think we're going to get into some of the heart of the issues and solutions. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I quite like how this um, this seems to address what Lyle and I like to call plate gazers. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had experiences with plate gazers before? Dude, I, I try and block it out. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, well, I... They come and they come and sit by you during a meal. And they just gaze at what's on your plate and then judge you. <laughs> Do you know? I'm, I'm kind of guilty for this, <laughs> Lawson. How nah. could you? Do you know? Just recently, I was in the states and uh, and I visited a church mm. and uh, and they had a potluck lunch afterwards. They served lunch and then for dessert they served up ice cream and uh, and so I had a bowl of ice cream in front of me and I was sitting at this table and uh, a guy this, this man comes up to me. I've never seen him before. He's never seen me before and throws a pamphlet in front of my face about the dangers of eating ice cream wow. and begins to berate me for eating ice cream. This guy has never met me, has no idea if I'm a visitor at this church, has no idea if I'm even a Christian or a believer of any kind, whether or not this is my first experience with the church, has no idea about anything. The only thing he wants to do <laughs> Is, is tell me off and condemn me for eating ice cream, even though his church that he goes to was the church that served this ice cream up. Mm. And, oh, I was so angry. I was so angry about it. Not because, like, he offended me, but because mm. it's a good thing that he chose me to do that too. Yeah. As a pretty thick-skinned, you know, Adventist. I've been Adventist for a while now, but 
if, had I, I was thinking, you know, good thing it was me and not mm. someone who had just stepped the foot into church for the first time, yeah, and then had that because if if that had if that had been my first time as a, in a church experience, you better believe I never would have gone back. Hundred percent. I'd have been like, what kind of a place gives you some dessert mm. and then comes up and like tells you you're free to you? It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, so this plate gazing attitude that we have, mm. we do need to be careful. It doesn't mean that we should chuck out health practices. Yeah. We should definitely adhere to our health practice because they're, you know, modern science is constantly proving over and over again how the health practices that we know as um, as some of the Adventists are just saving our life left, right, yeah. and center. Um, but we definitely shouldn't have this attitude of judgmentalness. Well, we we can see that in in Loma Linda, you know, oh, in, the, in yeah. the heart of California, the people is, that never die is one, <laughs> in the heart of California is one of four areas in the world where people live the longest, yes, and yep. it's because they're all plant-based eaters and yeah following the health messages we like to call it yeah amazing just straight from the bible which is just incredible but Um, if you choose to live that kind that life which which i absolutely advocate and i totally mm -hmm. think you should take it you know take that course with humbleness and don't Mm -hmm. go around pointing your finger and shoving pamphlets in people's faces while they're trying to enjoy some ice cream yeah well i think ultimately it's kind of a when when it it comes to this issue it's somewhat of a two-way street ultimately if you see someone which you know, you, you're you like, not that we should ever judge, but if you see something and you're like, oh, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this, you need to go and you, you feel compelled enough to talk to the person. Yeah. You need to go to them in, in gentleness in love, and kindness yeah. and as someone who's receiving that criticism as well. And I think this is, this is the part where a lot of people get unstuck. Yes. Is that a lot of people are terrible at receiving advice. Yes. And I, I, man, I think I they're say, terrible on both, both giving yeah. and receiving. Because if you think about it, the guy who gave me that pamphlet for eating ice cream, nothing he said was untrue and nothing mm-hmm. in that pamphlet was wrong. Everything in that pamphlet was absolutely true. Like ice cream is terrible for your health and the stuff mm-hmm. they stick in it, especially American ice cream is just volatile for your body. Um, but he definitely needed to have rethought his delivery and reassess the fact that he didn't know me. I was a stranger and it probably wasn't his position to just come mm-hmm. up to me without even greeting me, without even saying hello or happy Sabbath. The first thing, like, it's the right message with the wrong delivery. 100%. And yeah. at that point, it, beca- it becomes the wrong message. Yeah, that's right. It becomes the wrong message. And this is something that... The, that I've had to learn as a as a Christian and as a, you know, someone working in ministry. I remember when I first became Christian, like when I first, like I found the truth and I was like, yeah, like, you know, we've, we've got to like follow God and, and there's all this evidence in the Bible and going to my parents and being like, you need to read this so you're ignorant and all this stuff. It's <laughs> just like, the, it, that's the thing. It's what I was saying was true, but it was the... It was the wrong time. It was the wrong delivery. So, yeah. it was ultimately the wrong message. That's right. Especially because I, I, I reflect and like I did it because I love them. But at the same time, I don't think I love them enough to really to wait it out and be patient. And that's what God's sort of been teaching me, um, in, you know, in my heart that, hey, like people will get there and you just have to be a loving and lovable Christian. Yeah. That, that's the ultimate thing. If you want to win people, you just have to be a loving and lovable Christian. Because you have to think about how it is that you yourself came to Christ and it wasn't yeah. because someone like bashed you over the head yeah. with it, was it? You came gently and slowly and the Lord worked yeah. on you, right? To let the Lord work on others. <laughs> We're going to move to another passage here talking about the problems um, and the dangers of um, you know, segregation and, and, and when people are, you know, disputing and judging, but how we can actually solve that in a way. Um, I'm going to turn my Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
First Corinthians chapter one, just got book over from Romans. I love First Corinthians. Actually, I love the Corinthians. Like they're both just amazing books, and I love you know the sort of narrative of what's going on here. Paul in First Corinthians is writing to a church who's in a really dire state, and then in Second Corinthians, you know they've had this massive change of heart after receiving the first letter, and you know they're they're becoming a church who's really reflecting God. And Paul writes to them, but he continues to give them the, his advice. And honestly, like people are like, yeah. Right. Romans, yeah, Hebrews, like they're the best works of Paul, which which I agree. But I'm like, dude, the Corinthians are underrated, man. And I, I think they're like, I think they're up there. Um, because it talks into a lot of situations that, that we have to deal with today. I feel like Corinthians is a very generalized book of like, because it's writing to a church that has problems. And it's like, okay, this is how to solve your problems. And I see it as very much as a manual like, hey, if we're having problems in church, man, we should, should hit up First Corinthians and see if there's something in there and mm. how we should solve it. But we're going to talk here specifically about, um, yeah, divisions in church and and how they affect people and how we can we can overcome them. I'm just going to read here from my Bible. It says in First Corinthians chapter one and verse ten. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So Paul starts off here on this topic of, uh, it, it, it labels it sec- sectarianism. Mm-hmm. This, this, this problem that's going on with the church that um, it's divided. The context of this, which we learn further down in the book is, and we know historically as well, is that Corinth was a port city um, that was, you know, based on the sea and it was very it was a very diverse city you've constantly got different people going in and out so you could imagine you know a church often reflects the city that it's in and so you've got this extremely diverse church full of loads of different people from loads of different cultures and they're having this problem at the church and the main problem is is that everyone wants to do their thing their way and we, we're going to learn some reasons why. Um, one of them is because, oh, you know, I was I was baptized by Paul. Oh, I was baptized by Apollos and, you know, I follow him. Some people are like, oh, no, we're, we're following Christ, all these different things. Um, you know, just different cultures and different languages was a big problem there in general. But Paul starts to give advice into that situation. Like, hey, you need to get yourself on track. Like, yeah. you need to, you know, come back together. Um we see this as we as we continue to read here in verse 11. It says, For it has been declared to you, to me, concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. So he's like, look, there's all this stuff going on. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Then he, and he comes in. Paul, classic Paul with the bangers, man. He's like, brings it home with one of those faith statements. He's like, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Cyphus and uh, Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized you in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptize any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. In a kind of roundabout way, Paul is saying here, like, I'm not responsible for your salvation. 
and neither is Apollos and neither is your, you know, culture or neither is anything. I, you know, that is not the standard of which it's not, you're not supposed to be looking to me or looking to, to, to Apollos or looking to your culture or, or looking to, you know, your own uh, personal convictions on, on non-sin issues and how the church should be run. We should be looking to Christ. Amen. We should be looking to God. And it's, oh man, it's just incredible. Paul is such a genius. We went through the book of Acts and we could see Paul is just this master lawyer. Um, he's, dude, he's just bringing it home. And we're going to continue with this Bible study right after this. This is the Sons of Korah with Psalm 23. Stop. 
Good morning and welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, 88 or online or maybe delayed, delayed broadcasts on one of those radio stations. We don't know. You could be anywhere. Shout out to uh-huh. our delayed broadcast people. I don't hey. think we, we don't give them enough love because we we're don't. always hassling them like, you know, Call us up at Faith FM and then hassle people to get a radio tower that'll give you the live broadcast. But you know what? Like, shout out to the delayed broadcast people because they're, you know, they're faithful. They're listening to our show as well, even though they can't get in on the prizes or... Well, sometimes they can actually. Sometimes they do. Sometimes if someone doesn't answer on the live show, Mm -hmm. delayed broadcasters listen and they step it up themselves. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, the boys. Don't be be scared (laughs) to call up and and see if you've won because sometimes you just do. You just do. You just do. All right, we're getting back into our encounter with God. We're talking about unity amid diversity. Yeah. And we so we just closed off um, with a quote from... We just closed off reading a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and the ultimate sum of it was that the unity in church, you know, the the, per, the person you should follow, what you should base your issues on, you know, we're, we're here to follow Christ. Yes. You know, not to not to follow Paul, not to follow uh, Apollos, not to follow your culture, not to follow your pastor, not to follow, you know, uh, where you live or your friends or whatever, which I, actually I, I see, um, you know, working in ministry as... It's a problem that people have today. I don't, I don't want to be like too savage on this. I don't want to like call anyone out, but I, I often I've seen a few times, you know, a, a person in the circumstances like oh, I come to church when it's good, or I come to church mm-hmm. when my friends go, but they come from our, the social aspect. Our Christian experience is, in in all honesty, even though you know God gives us friends to help us. God gives us, you know, circumstances or situations or environments that can empower us and help us to, to. I talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday when we were doing our encounter with God. Um, that He puts us in environments that, um, you know, promote our salvation, that 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 encourage our salvation. But ultimately, at the end of the day, our salvation and our coming to church and adherence to the Bible and our, you know, genuineness and our faith. If we strip all of that away, it comes down to a decision that we make. You know, 100%, it's a gift from God. It's a work that God does. You know, the Holy Spirit will fill you and help you to to walk in the ways of Him. And, uh, you know, God is so incredible and amazing and powerful and all those things. But, you know, our decision to be unified is a decision. You know, and the power that we have to, to be unified to, to come together as a group of people and follow Christ is is the decision that we de- make every single day when we wake up in the morning, when we go to bed at night. Um, and it's I not th- an accident. I think it's important for people to know that too because I, I, and I know this for myself, being discouraged and thinking sometimes like, which is a totally false thought, but thinking, oh man, maybe I'm just like not good enough to make it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's ultimately you're saying that your salvation or your genuineness or um, your ability to follow God is based on things that you, you know, that, Who, that you um, can't you've control. Done. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, or you can control. Or your works, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. basically, 
in a roundabout way, it's salvation by works. It's another way of losing out mm. via um, salvation by works. Because one, you know, on one hand, people would try and be so good that they earn their salvation. On the other mm. hand, people get discouraged because they realize their works will never save them. And so they both lose out, one because they think they're good enough, and one because they think they're not good enough. Yeah. What they both need to realize is they'll never be good enough because mm. Jesus is enough. Yeah, yeah. it's Jesus. Mm. Oh, man. Come on, bringing home the bangers. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and, and Paul actually goes on to say this if we keep reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. The Bible says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Man, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Uh, this quote is so deep. It it's is. like the message of the cross, because what does the cross represent? The power of salvation through Jesus. But, yeah. Okay. Crucified. Even, even, yeah, it's crucified, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it represents God having such a strong and innumerable love for humanity that he is willing to come down as a man and die. Which I think especially in the context of, of what the Jews expected the Messiah to be and, you know, the Gentiles' whole perception on gods and what they should do. It's ridiculous. A, a crucified God or a crucified Messiah, it's like a square circle, a, a dry ocean. Uh, yeah, it's it doesn't make sense. But um, to us who are being saved, to those who understand what's going on, it is the ultimate power of God. And that's the one thing that should unify us. That's the one thing that should bring us to, to our knees to, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for f- salvation. That should be the driving force of our relationship with God and our Christian experience should be the understanding that, wow, Christ has given literally everything to me, and this is why I, what this is why I do this, you know, because there there is nothing in and of ourselves that we can do to to actually earn our salvation. Like we said yesterday when we talked on, or well, the last couple of days when we talked on once saved always saved, um, the true perception of that should be that salvation is a gift. And upon that accepting of salvation, our works will reflect and, and mirror that level. But that's not the thing that gets us there. Christ has done it. Christ is enough. Christ will always be enough. He was enough in the beginning, and he, and he is enough now. And he's He's done everything. And I think for us sitting here right now, you know, the reason why we're sitting here talking about the love of Christ is because of what He's done, not because of our supreme love for people, not because we, you know, earn the big bucks, not because there's some... Uh, amazing thing we're gaining from it. In fact, a life of Christianity often involves self-sacrifice. But Christ is is so much bigger than anything we could possibly do or think or say. So we sit here and it's like, man, I I look at Christ and I'm like, it's worth it. It's worth it. I'm sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, bit no, of a rant there, on. but it's yeah. but man, God is so good and. When it comes to the topic of, of unity and diversity, I feel like the thing that's that's helped me um, and many people overcome, you know, squabbles or divisions or whatever it is, is taking your attention away from the things that you're trying to 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 solve and turning it to Christ. You know, there's a classic song like "Turn your eyes upon Jesus." Mm. You know, behold his yes. his wonderful face. Like, oh man. When we look at Jesus, um, you know, we just see the fullness of God and we can overcome anything. In fact, there's a, 
there's an Ellen White quote um, somewhere. She she talks about being in vision and being in heaven, basically. Uh, you know, a place that is fully just the love of Christ, you know, um, in a location. And she said that someone comes to her and asks her, what were the struggles that you faced while on earth? And she, she sits there and just thinks, and she thinks, and she thinks, and she ultimately says, she couldn't remember. Yeah. Heaven was so good, and Christ's love was so radiant that she couldn't even remember the trials of earth. You know, and if, if she can say that, I could imagine even more so Christ himself when he's sitting like up in the, in the heavenly courts, you know, because we're currently, he's, he's in the most holy place. He's, you know, in, in making intercession for us. But I think once we get there and we talk about it and we're going to be like just revering him and the sacrifice he made for us, He's just going to be like, it was worth it. It was 100% worth it. And we're going to have that time where we reunite with Christ. And then there's going to be real unity. You know, uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, for now we see through a a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Mm. Like, we're going to get to Jesus in heaven. Like, after the second coming, we're going to get up there. We're going to be in heaven standing there and just going to be like, Man, this is this is amazing. Yeah. This is so good. Man, I'm so stoked. I just love talking about God. This is why I love doing the radio and like helping the Bible study because I just I just love it. Yeah, I love looking forward. <laughs> love looking through that mirror. Stay tuned. We're back with the question of the day. We have seen.
if what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) We both went to go and then we stopped and then we went to go again. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Today with Lawson and Mon filling in for Lyle. Lawson, we're up to the question of the Mm. day. You prepared? Are you ready? Are you ready? 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 What, What is it? Who wrote the Bible? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so. Who's the guy? Who's the girl? There's a couple of different ways to answer this question. Uh-huh. Um, because it's it's not only who wrote the Bible, but how it was written. Okay. Um, that also feeds into the question of who wrote the Bible, which we're going to we're gonna start to discuss. So, if we take it back to just like logistical numbers. So, the, the Bible has 66 books in it. Um, and of those 66 books, there are 40 different authors. Um, and it was written over a period of 1,500 years from roughly, um, you know, the the last book of the Bible being um, written around 100 AD by John. And the first books of the Bible, or the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, were written um, 1,500 years earlier by Moses, which then described events that, that happened earlier than that. Um, but yeah, logistically, I guess that's that's the Bible. And that's pretty much it. So that's all there is to there. But that's not all there is. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. more. <laughs> okay, because the Bible is different from, from any other book because it claims to be inspired by God. And there are a few verses um, that tell us how exactly that goes on or how that happens. I'm reading here specifically from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, All scripture, so everything in the Bible, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So this is saying that this book is written by inspiration by God. So essentially God got a bunch of people, you know, look at all the, the prophets in the Bible, you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Moses and go all the way all through them. God inspired those people to write the Bible. How exactly that works, there is some debate over that, but there's pretty much consensus that um, it's not necessarily word for word. Mm-hmm. And we see that through the different styles of writing in the Bible because, you know, you've got people writing in the Bible like Habakkuk, for example, is a farmer um, and David's a king uh, and you know, Daniel is a is a prime minister slave and Matthew's a tax collector. And you can actually see the different styles of writing coming out in the text. What God actually does is write the Bible by inspiration. And I guess then the question comes up, it's like, man, if people are reading, you know, reading the Bible and it claims to be by inspiration, then how can we we know that it's true? Well, there's a few different factors you can talk about internal consistency, that it's impossible for 40 different writers from three different continents over 1,500 years to be so consistent. But the Bible actually gives somewhat of a of a premise. Um, I'm going to turn for you to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. Uh, the Bible says in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, For prophecy came not in old time um, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So essentially what this is saying is that prophecy, 
okay, which is a very makes up a very large portion of the Bible, around one third, um, was given by the Holy Spirit. If we want to test the Bible to see, like, okay, is this really consistent? Is this really the Word of God? Prophecy is the route and the method in which God gives to do that. Um, how does He do that? Well, think about it. So God gets his prophets to write a bunch of stuff in the Bible. And he gives them as well as that. He says, hey, these are some prophecies. These are some things that are going to happen in the future that I want you to write down in the Bible. And so we can look at those prophecies today, especially, you know, being 2,000 years after the last book of the Bible being written, and we can look at those prophecies and say, okay, well, now we've got objective, observable, tangible evidence to believe because it's like we can read those prophecies, see what they said, if they, if what they said came true, well, then this is a false prophet and this shouldn't be in the Bible. Uh, sorry, if it came true. No, if it was false, but if it came true, then we can look and say, oh, no, okay, this is this is a true prophet. This is a true scripture. This is a true writing uh, of the Bible. And so, yeah, ultimately, you know, how can we know the Bible's written by God through the observing of prophecy? But, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty much uh, if we want to get to how the Bible was written, well... That's it, really. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lawson. If you have a question, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM.
back. You are at the end of the breakfast show with Lawson and Moan. And we're at that time of the show, Lola Lawson, mm-hmm. where we give stuff away. Yes, we do. Totes for yes, free. Yes, we do. Totes for free. Get your number ready. I mean, your phone ready. Fill this number, 1-800-324-843. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Today, Lawson has picked a prize out of the prize box Mm -hmm. what is it Lawson tell the people what you've chosen for them okay so the book that I've picked is you know on the on we talked about the Bible we talked about the Bible and how it was written well I picked a book about the Bible and this book is called God's Holy Word then it asked the question is it worth dying for that's a question we need to ask ourselves this is a gnarly book it's by uh, a woman named um, Ellen G. White uh, and it's just, yeah, it just goes through essentially giving, it's an, it's it's kind of an apologetic book. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, is the Bible, you know, still relevant? Is it is it real? Is it legit? Is, you know, does it relate to us today? Um, and we, you know, I went through some reasons like why it could and that's, you know, how we could test the Bible through prophecy. And um, you look at the fact that the Bible has also, you know, affected so many millions and millions of people's lives and the millions of people who are Christian around the world. Um but yeah, it's just an awesome book. It, it also goes specifically into some of the, the you know, the true Bible believers during the Dark Ages who, who were like literally willing to give their life for God and and give some reasons and and of why they were able to do that. Um, yeah, it's just an awesome book. If you want it, you can give us a call on oh four nine one zero six four six six nine. Um, or sorry, text us in or give us a call on 1-800-324-843. And that's also the number to call if you would like to get some more information on how to study the Bible for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do it online. You can do it with someone. You can do it in a small group setting. You can do a paper course. So many different ways that we can hook you up uh, with more Bible knowledge. Thank you so much for helping us out for the last few days. Lawson, we've appreciated having you on the show. We'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news with Lyle and Mon. of our labor.